The Ebony's and the Ivory podcast is a bi-weekly dialogue with Dr. Dejalon Jackson-Bell and Dr. Lakeitha Poole. Through the EITI podcast, we plan to promote our mission of dispelling myths, rewriting narratives, and championing women of color in higher education. All views expressed through this podcast are our own, do not represent any entity with which we are affiliated, and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information or to set up a consultation, visit our website at www.ebonysintheivory.com. You are now tuned in to Ebony's in the Ivory. everybody welcome back a big welcome back to another episode of ebony's and ivory this is one of your hosts dr lakeitha pool and i'm here with my lovely co-host dr bell everybody so we took a little bit of a hiatus to practice some self-care um for the summertime and so obviously we hope that you did the same um especially if you are in, in academia in any form as a student, as faculty. Um, we hope that you have at least taken a little bit of a pause to collect yourself, think about future planning, um, and just do nothing some of those days. So uh, we definitely try to make sure that we're practicing what we preach. So we took the month of June off, but of course we missed you guys. And so we're back and ready to get going. As always, and if you're listening to this right now, then you probably already subscribe. But if not, make sure that you do on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Um, you can also like and follow us on social media. That's on Instagram and Facebook at Ebony's in the Ivory. And also keep up with us on Twitter at Ebs in the Ivory. If you're looking for a one-stop shop where you can catch up with everything we have going on, make sure you head to our website, www.ebonysintheivory.com. Um, and we are mobile. You can be on the go and see what we're up to. All right, everybody. So we're going to jump right into the topic for today, which reflects our most recent blog post, um, which was how to maximize your summer. Um, and I, I came across um, this idea because I was doing some reflection and thinking about what I had done to maximize my summer. Um as you know, I'm a school counselor, so I'm actually a 10-month employee, which means I am off for two months um, in the summer. Um, but I have, as you all know, an eight-month-old, so I wasn't really off. And I'm still not off. Um, but um, in thinking about the ways that, um, you know, I'd be intentional or we could be intentional about making sure that um, we're rested uh, and we're able to be, to recharge and engage in some self-care acts um, while taking the opportunity to, um, you know, to, to meet some of the goals that we set in the beginning of the year. Um, mm-hmm. So I found an article by um, Lisa Bel- Belkoff, and she wrote it for the American Psychological Association, APA, 
reading your papers, you know what that means. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she talks about how important it is to be strategic um, about taking advantage of any unstructured time over the summer, especially like Dr. Poole said, if you work in academia um, if you, or if you're a graduate student. Um, and she pointed to three key areas to focus on. Um, and I think that these areas apply for prospective and current students, um, as well as working professionals. Um, so she encourages, so she gave us three key points. Like I said, the first key point is to devote time to research activities. Um, Dr. Poole, that's something that we frequently discuss mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we can also do better at. Um, but <laughs> Super facts. Um, you know, but, you know, it's, it's something, um, worth speaking about. So, um, as a student, you know, whether you're a prospective student or a current student, you know, the summer is a perfect time to tackle, um, your research agenda, agenda. Um, prospective students, you know, could research, um, faculty and the programs that they may be interested in, looking at faculty interest, um, things that faculty have published and kind of getting an idea of um, the people who will be, you know, your potential faculty and your potential program. Um, for students who've already been accepted in, and enrolled into a program but haven't yet started, um, research could entail exploring academic funding, um, looking up programming plans of study, um, creating a timeline, um, thinking about potential research interests, um, kind of figuring out, you know, if you want to do research once you get in the program, whose research interests align with yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, doing that research may help ease some of the jitters that come with embarking upon a new academic journey. Um, and it also helps to build a foundation um, of academic success. So you're kind of getting a leg up in how how hiring works or how the doctoral program works. Mm-hmm. Um, current student, students, um, they're already um, have taken probably a year of classes or more. Um, so they have the opportunity to interface um, with curriculum that they're already familiar with. And they can build upon their academic work. Um, if they're doc students, begin to take doctoral milestones. Um, joining a writing group is very important, um, especially after your first year or second year. Um, and then beginning to um, finalize dissertation topics depending on where you are within the program. Um, de- developing literature reviews. Um, so I know like the summer before I um, I defended or we defended um I gathered some literature, so I, I spent the summer looking up articles, like putting articles into folders, putting articles into my drive on Google, mm-hmm. um, so that I knew that, you know, when it was time to comb through those um, articles, and I read as well, so combing through those articles, I was kind of familiar with what um, I wanted to put in my dissertation or what aligned with what I wanted to focus on mm-hmm. in my writing. Um, and that's kind of when we started our writing group too. Like, I think we started in May, like right when that, that last spring semester ended. So yeah, it's like the perfect time, um, in the summer to get going with that. Um, annotated bibliography. So like they're a pain in the butt to do if you've never done one. And I actually, um, in my that program, we had to do one for a class. Um, so I made sure I had already kind of moved my, dissertation topic was going to be um and this is something just as a side i always tell people once you figure out what your topic is going to be and you're like sold on it start 
any assignment that you have, mm-hmm. like start like incorporating those assignments into your like in that align with your topic. Like make every assignment about your topic because that's going to help you build your literature review. That's going to help you get more familiar with the research. Um, and just get you prepared. So we have to do an annotated um, bibliography. And I had, like I said, I already knew what my topic was kind of going to be. Um, and they, they suck, like I said, but <laughs> it really helps. It helped to, like, build and help to add to all those, um, to all, you know, the citations that I had to gather. It was just really helpful to do that. Um, and then in the summer, you can also begin to seek out, um, depending on where you are, seek out your chair and committee member. So that's also something that I did the summer before. Um, I defended, um, which is like a year before almost, um, talking to my chair, figuring out who was going to be um, the rest of my committee members, figuring out who was going to be my dean's rep, um, getting paperwork together and all of that. Um, if you want to be published, um, the summer is also a great time to seek out publishing opportunities um, and seeking out opportunities to collaborate with faculty and other colleagues um, if you're presenting or publishing um, with your peers or your cohort. Um, again, summer is a great time and to just pin down any thoughts you have about your own research in the mm-hmm. future. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, she said that summer is a great time to engage in professional development. Um, so that includes attending and presenting at conferences, which Dr. Poole just did a month ago at, um, it was Encore. Yeah, then I'm tired. Um, she's <laughs> tired. Uh, and she presented, like, what you presented in March and April, too? Uh, yeah, April for sure at ACA. And maybe March? No, no March, I don't think. I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, summer is a great time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, to attend conferences and workshops when things kind of slow down in yeah. the world of academia. Um, it's also a great time to network with people in your future field or the field that you're in. Um, it's also a great time to find internships or assistantships, um, and to gain a rep experience that will, you know, help your future career. Um, beefing up your resume and CV is also something that you can do over the summer. I've done that um, recently. Um, kind of looked at, you know, best practices and trends as far as um, job search and um, trends for CVs and resumes, and I beefed up my resume this summer. Um so that's also something um, as far as professional development is concerned um, that you can engage in to maximize your summer. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in addition to seminars and workshops and such, um, taking courses and completing certifications um, that will enhance your career journey is also this is a good time to do it as well. Um, personally. For every like licensure exam I had to take or certification exam, I always took the time to study over the summer. Um, starting from grad school, you know, when we had to um, study for the NCE, I mean the CCE. Mm-hmm. Wait, which is it called the CCE? Am I, I'm mixing no, up you said it right the first time. NCE, okay. yeah. NCE. Um, and then, um, you know, studying for my school counseling exams um, and certifications and all of that. I use the summer um, as a time to be um, for really study intensive um, time um, to be able to pass those exams. Um, 
for people who are interested in faculty, um, this is also a good time to ask um, or to collaborate with uh, professors to be a teaching assistant or an adjunct faculty member. Now, at four-year colleges, um, generally, they want faculty members to have PhDs. Um, so if you do not have that, um, try being an adjunct, uh, maybe online or at a community college, um, because then you need about 18 hours in that specific subject or field. Um, so getting that experience over the summer um, will definitely um, enhance your career trajectory. Reading books on pedagogy and best, best practices for instruction, um, if you need to practice your presentation skills, um, you know, looking at Toastmasters, it's the international organization that focuses on um, improving and enhancing presentation skills, um, which will be vital to the classroom environment. Um, so all of those things uh, are areas that you can focus on to engage in professional development over the summer. And then lastly, working on personal goals. So like Dr. Poole said earlier, we just came off of a much-needed self-care break for Ebony's in the Ivory. Um, we but probably needed also, more time. <laughs> we probably did. We probably did because we both are, like, super-duper busy, which yeah. all of us are. Yeah. If you're doing anything, any work that's meaningful, mm-hmm. you're super-duper busy. You're going to always be busy, yep. Always be busy. Um, but it's important to, to, to tackle your um, personal goals. So we can't just go to work and, like, work on, you know, our boss's goals, our department's goals, work on their strategic plans and goals, and then, um, you know, we're working on academic goals, which, I mean, you know, is, is great and everything, but as far as personal goals and self-care, um, Lisa points out that that's also important, and it should be prioritized. Um, and it's vital mm-hmm. to the wellness of working professionals um, and students in general. Um she says that um, planning and following through, so not just not just planning, but actually following through on leisure activities are beneficial. Um, personal goals can include checking off things um, that may have been placed on a back burner throughout the year, um, such as podcasting and blogging, um, implementing a personal wellness plan, reading books for leisure. Um, that have nothing to do with your career or leadership or anything like that, or finally finding a therapist. The summer is a great time um, <laughs> to, to, to find a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says that whatever your personal goals are, uh, you know, making sure that the summer is utilized so that they're not neglected is a must. Um, so um, in terms of talking about um, maximizing the summer. I want to know from you, Dr. Poole, in what ways um, did you maximize the summer as a doc student and how do you do it now as a working professional? Um, I think as a doc student, um, many of the, I mean, tips that she listed is right, like trying to get ahead on maybe if, you know, you already know what your dissertation topic is or um, research projects you want to work on. I definitely did that. Um, it definitely was a time to like network, especially if that was like with professors who I was trying to figure out if they were going to be on my committee or not. Um, just get to know them a little better, work on stuff for them that they were doing to, you know, show initiative and, um, make sure that you gained a sense of connection to them. Cause we already talked about how you need them to have your back. 
Um, so definitely using that time to do that. Um, and time for self care for sure. Like in between. So summer, um, you know, you and I spent a lot of time writing that summer right before dissertation. But the two summers I had before that, I think I really spent, I took classes one because I wanted to make sure that I finished when I wanted to finish, but, um, I figured out how to sort of better manage them and made time to like, you know, visit more with family because doing that, during that, doing that during the school year, um, was more difficult. Like you miss a lot of family gatherings and stuff like that, that you typically wouldn't, um, just because your schedule is so different. So just kind of playing catch up, visiting friends, things like that. Um, I feel like that was my, that was probably what kept me sane during the doctoral process. Um, now I actually probably did better during my doctoral process than I do now <laughs> of like <laughs> utilizing the summer or maximizing the summer. Um, I do try to in the summertime, um, I'm big on like space, like my space affects my mood, kind of how people have like seasonal affective disorder with the weather. Like my like house needs to be clean. So this is summer months. I usually am like going through my closet and throwing stuff away or donating things or, um, moving the furniture around so that it looks different because it so it feels different, it feels more open. Um, so like that sort of thing on the personal note, and then whatever may be outside, I guess ventures I have going on, like my practice or things like that, I'll spend a little bit more time planning for the upcoming year for that versus being so focused on the academic stuff like teaching and um, you know, my nine to five of being a clinician at a university. So. I just try to find a middle ground. And then the other stuff stays the same. Doing a little bit more travel, trying to um, connect with friends. Um, I'm going to see Dr. Bell this weekend. I'm excited about that. Um, even though when y'all hear this, it'll be over. Uh, <laughs> um, so just stuff like that. Like just being able to catch up when you can because your life changes so much. Um, I remember when we were writing, um, Dr. Mitchell, Shonda Mitchell, would always tell us that like, you feel like you have no time now and then you'll get done and you think like, you know, you have that one moment where you're finished and so the sun shines brighter and the birds chirp louder, but then stuff just comes in and fills that time up anyway. And so you sort of think like, oh, I'm going to have so much more time when I'm done with this doctoral journey. And you might for like a week and then (laughs) then everything else kicks back in or you get a new job. Like all that stuff happened for us. Like you moved, you know, like a lot of you got married, like so many things happen. Um, Life just kind of came and filled right back in where you kind of left it off when you started your program. And so, um, you know, I think using the summer is important because it gives you that chance to kind of reset or just to check in with yourself because we do kind of go on like an autopilot to get through the academic uh-huh. year, or at least I know I do. Um, so summer for me is a time to be a little more lax while getting some stuff done, almost playing catch up a little bit for some things in like more of my personal life that probably needed to be checked on. So right. I agree with all the tips. I think they are right on. Yeah. I think for me, um, man, like, I think this summer and maybe last summer was the first two summers that I had, like, had nothing, like, um, pressing. So, mm-hmm. like, before they like I said, studying for, like, license and exams, studying for school counseling.
offering exams, writing a dissertation. Like it, it's kind of been back to back to back since that one summer we between the master's and the doc program. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably before these two past summers. That was probably the last summer that I had nothing like pressing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I know you spoke about you know finishing after finishing the doctoral program life kind of fills in the spaces that 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 took up um but i know like for you and i we need a little bit of time to just adjust back to life if that makes sense mm-hmm. um because we were um so i guess entrenched in what was going on entrenched in writing like yeah. um we needed a mental health break yeah and we i think we did it in such a non-traditional way like we talked about on here like we worked full time while <laughs> doing our programs which a lot of people don't do so <laughs> we really did push ourselves i think physically mentally <laughs> emotionally um, in a different way than most people would we also did our program in three years like um you know, that's not normal. Something probably was wrong with us, but we did it and, <laughs> and we survived. But like we, we were spent afterwards. Though. Yeah, we, we definitely spent. paid for it afterwards. So <laughs> we, we're not we saying like, spent. don't do it, but we're trying to just say, you know, it's not all roses either when you, you know, uh, try to go like more of a non-traditional route. So mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, like I said, this is the first, I think this summer, last summer and last summer I did probably nothing because I was pregnant and it was hot outside and I was like, I'm not going outside. <laughs> um, so like I really bitched out less. I did not maximize my summer. I minimized my summer. Not um, minimized. <laughs> <I> minimized. <laughs> um, last year, this year, um, my son is home with me. Um, and so I sent him back to daycare, but, um, in the midst of, um, you know, taking care of an active eight month old, he's very active. Um, I've been able to, you know, do some things and um, plan some things out. Um, so I think that, you know, this is an eye opener for me because I don't have it all together in terms of maximizing the summer. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that in each area, in academic and personal um, career, I think that, you know, there is definitely room for growth. Uh, but I think it's great that the author kind of gave us a template um, mm-hmm. so that, you know, here on now we can, you know, have self-care and self-care and rest and do all of those things. Uh, but also remember that this is a prime time to work on our goals because, I mean, self-care is working on your goals, right? Yeah. That's a form of self-care. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, for me, and that's how I maximize. As a doc student, like I said I, I, I use the time to do research. Um, I use the time to plan a wedding, like all of that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, so I definitely did, like you said, it, it was easier. Um, you know, while you're a student, I guess, quote unquote, is easier. Um, it just looks different, you know, mm-hmm. after you graduate. Um. What advice do you have for Ebony's who are looking to maximize their summer? Um, I think like creating a plan for what you would like to see happen to your summer before a summer even gets there. So, um, and maybe that's more of like prioritizing, right? Like I know for me, uh, I don't necessarily believe in like New Year's resolutions per se because people don't usually follow them. But I do know when the year starts, I kind of have a vision already. And sometimes I actually 
through my vision board, kind of make that happen or just, you know, my ideas as they come. Um, and so I'll know that there's stuff where I'm just like, cause now I'm more logical and I'm more reasonable where I'm like, you can't, you're not going to be able to do this between January and May or between August and December. So you need to either save that for summer or for, in some cases, if it's a small project, maybe during the holiday break, but for the most part, like summer is the time. And so, you know, saving those things that you can like take your time with and, um, really put your passion into it, but having them at least be on your mind or, or written down somewhere so that when summer comes, you can pick, pick back up, pick it back up or, you know, at least have an idea of like maybe how you want to map it out if it is a goal that's for the fall or something like that. So I think just trying to, you know, as ideas come to you, just jot them down, keep them somewhere. Um, but don't feel pressure to, to try to add them into what you might already have on your plate. Um, and then I think the other part, and you've said this, I think the author also alluded to it through saying get a therapist, but like really use that time to like check in with yourself. So for me, summer like is always a time for me to think differently. I try to, which people do at the beginning of the year. I don't mid years when I'm like, Oh shoot, I should have been going to the gym or <laughs> when it's too late. Cause that's when you're supposed to be out swimming. And I'm like, Nope, not now. Uh, <laughs> right. Summer's going to get whatever body I give it. So I'm like, maybe fall will get a better body. And so being able to just. That's, that is just how I function. I've always functioned that way. And maybe it's because like my birthday is in the beginning of the year. So I'm more indulgent then of like just travel and eating and cake and whatever Mardi Gras comes right after. Like it's just a different time of year for me. Um, and so summer for me is just where I check back in and same thing. Like I said earlier, like with my business or things like that, even for us, like with Ebony's and Ivory in May, we, instead of like getting ready to record, we talked about like, okay, what's fall? What does it look like for us for the rest of this year? Um, so that we could just have time to do it because on a typical week, we're recording these for you guys or writing blogs or posting on social media, doing lives, whatever. Um, and that's, I mean, to be reasonable, we both have lives. And so you're trying to like fit it all in. So I just think. Being, you know, be reasonable about your goals, plan them out, think about them early and put them far enough out where you don't feel pressure to actually have to act on them before you need to. And it makes it much easier to then actually accomplish the goal because it doesn't feel like this rush thing. It feels like something that you can pick up one day and then you take two days off and watch Netflix all day. Then you pick it back up. And, um, you know, that's what I feel like summer is for. And it's also too hot to be stressing. Like it's too too hot. hot. So, (laughs) So I just think, you know, just pacing yourself and like, you know, be true to the stuff that you really feel like is important to you. Um, it might even be beneficial to save it for summer because I think we're just usually all in a better mood. So, yeah. Um, I think in terms of maximizing your summer, don't max out your summer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like you know, like you said about um being intentional about prioritizing things, and you can't cram everything into the summer because right. you enjoy your summer. Um, but maybe tackling like a goal in each of those areas from academic to career to personal to professional development, however that looks for you, um, you know, tackling one goal per area 
and then leaving time, like you said, to veg out, to watch Netflix, to go on trips, to go to the beach, to do whatever, to prepare for you know, the upcoming academic year or fiscal year um, or whatever that looks like. Um, but I think balance is important. Um, and I think that, um, I think that, you know, just, just making sure that, um, like you said, having things, you know, written down to say, okay, these are the things that I'm going to tackle. Like I keep notes in my phone. Like mm-hmm. that's what I do. Um, and I go back and revisit them. Um, but, you know, just writing things down and saying, okay, you know, this is what I'm going to leave to do over the summer so that I'm not stressed during the fall or during the spring or during the winter break, whatever that looks like. Um, so, yeah, that's the advice that I have. Do you have anything else that you want to add, uh, Dr. Poole, about maximizing the summer? No, I think just have fun. Like, you know, do the things that you typically maybe won't allow yourself to do when you're in academic mode and try to <laughs> just relax and, um, you know, be not that you're not that any of us are not being our authentic selves when we're in academic spaces, but we know, like we've talked about on the show, Particularly if we're in, you know, spaces that are not of color and, um, you know, where gender bias exists or all those things, as much as we might be trying to always be our most authentic self, there are parts of us that we just don't allow because we maybe just don't want to, or maybe we don't even want people to know us in that way there because we don't trust those folks. Like that's all that's fine, but recognize that at some point you have to make room for yourself to be like your most authentic self and and in whatever form yeah we can have a whole whole like topic about it i know (laughs) different like 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 being your authentic self in like professional spaces yeah definitely spaces that's that's a word it's a a whole it's a whole thing and so figure out you know what that is for you, like mine was for a while being on vacation, I had purple, blue, and green hair. Like, um, and I've never done that in my life. And I waited till my thirties to do that. I don't know why, but that's what I did because I didn't have to be at work. I didn't have to have people being like, Oh, your hair. And we've talked about hair on here. Like, you know, all these things. And so actually I was like that hair one day, I was blonde the next day. Then I was back to whatever the next day. Uh, then I showed up at work this past week back with my natural fro, like whatever. So I think it's just, you know, though we need those moments more than we think we do. So just find ways for yourself, um, to get to be your most authentic self and take advantage of it while you have, um, a little bit more downtime and not have to put so much pressure on your brain, um, to, to, to be in this crazy world of academia. Yeah. So, um, being able to be authentic definitely um, is an is important to you know mental health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, so in our upcoming upcoming culture corner, um, we're going to discuss um, how July is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month, and mm-hmm. then a topic um, that has been taxing my personal um, mental health as my norm. <laughs> 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 so we're we're going to go on break, and we'll be back. All right, we'll be back.
everybody. We're back from our break. Um, and this podcast, um, the Culture Corner, um, we're going to discuss, and I say this podcast because we do have a bonus podcast episode coming mm-hmm. um, later in this month. But for this one, um, our topic, um, you know, we're, it's July is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, and when I was thinking about what that looks like in today's society, um, it drew me to um, this uh, debacle, uh, the situation that's going on with um, Hallie Bailey, um, one of uh, the members of the Chloe and Hallie group, um, the sisters that, you know, are on Grownish um, and they're Beyonce's protégés. Um, they open for her Lemonade concert. Um, and they're really up and coming artists and actresses. They're like um, amazing. So they're them. amazing. And they're, they're like, their voices are like literally angelic. Yeah. Like if you've never heard like angelic. Um, so Halle Bailey, not Halle Berry. Halle- <laughs> 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 people are confused. <laughs> Who's confused? What? People, people, people are like hashtag. Halle Berry? Legitimately. Like oh my god! I didn't Halle see Berry. that. I'm glad so I didn't it was see like that. A meme. It was like Hallie when Hallie Berry wakes up and she sees she's trending and she doesn't know. She doesn't why. know why. I, so I she, yeah, that's hilarious. I can't. <laughs> Hallie Berry actually spoke to this, but um, as many of us know, Hallie Bailey was cast as Ariel in the live action remake of The Little Mermaid, Disney's The Little Mermaid, and it has sparked like major controversy um and spark discourse on race um how that looks um in 2019 and how it looks in the entertainment industry and what representation means and how does it matter um so i mean you know i've it's just social media basically like broke the day mm-hmm. that disney announced um that hallie was going to be playing ariel um and, and then with that came a lot of opinions. Um, and some were very, um, racist. Racist, unbecoming. <laughs> um, thank you. I was trying to look for a euphemism, but you, I mean, racist. That's what, what, it's, what it is. It's yeah. what it is. Um, discriminatory, <laughs> mm-hmm. biased, whatever you want to call it. Um, to the point where like different groups have popped up on Facebook and people are like butt hurt. Excuse me, but they were butt hurt about um, Ariel not being black, um, even though she's a fish. But um, <laughs> she's a um, fictional she's character, a, but she's a fictitious character. Yeah, um, so like, like Ariel's like mermaids a, are not real. Just they're not real, you know. or are they? But they're not. They're not Ariel. Like right. <laughs> oh, not even gonna get on that. Mermaids aren't real. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Like I said, it's, it sparked some discourse um, and some very strong opinions. Um, and I personally, you know, in thinking about, like I said, Minority Mental Health Month, um, Mental Health Awareness Month, um, the things that we have to see um, as minorities and the opinions that we have to endure and the, and the hate speech in, um, is really taxing. Um, and it's, it, it, it's absurd. Um, in 2019, just the ugliness that I've seen, um, under the comments, you know, under news articles and things like that. Um, 
So yeah, what do you think about you know this whole situation, Dr. Cool? Um, I think the first is what I like already blurted out is that she's not real and. For us to, we did the same thing with James Bond, right? Like James oh Bond isn't real. And when Idris Elba, um, I don't even know if that ended up happening. But no, he said, I actually read an article, sorry to interrupt mm-mm. me, other day. He said he doesn't even, I mean, he would kind of like to, but he, he doesn't think it's going to happen. He doesn't know if he would like necessarily even want to do it because like the racial like backlash is like over. Yeah. And he Which was like, is it's crazy. so sad. Yeah. But like he died even, he like he wouldn't even. Like, consider like it anymore. Well, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, I mean, he's British. Like, he would, you know, that would be a great role for him. And, and um, he was like, you know, it would, you know, if it didn't do well in, in theaters, it would, um, you know, it would fall back on his race. And mm-hmm. that's not necessarily the case for any other Bond movie. It's mm-hmm. just about James Bond. You know, they've had tons of them. Um, but he feels that if it was unsuccessful in the box, box office, um, race would be brought into it as it already is. And that's just not something that he's necessarily interested in. So, yeah, it's just crazy. Like, you know, that in this day and age, we're still having conversations about these, like, you know, about fictional characters and what they're supposed to look like. And so what I think is interesting is when this happens for like voiceover. So Lion King's coming out yeah. next week, right? And yes. so these are animals. And animals. so we're okay with people of color being like the voices of like, you know, an animal, like somebody they don't have to look at. From um, Africa. Yeah, from, right. That's right. And so I just, I don't know. It's like disappointing, but it's also exhausting, like usual. It's just of like, how do we, um, continue to sort of have to exist in a world where those are the things, um, that are even like up for discussion. Like, I think I saw one of the hashtags and which this might be one of the groups you refer to too. That was like the hashtag said, not my Ariel. Um, even though we know how furious people were when after the election, people were like, not my president. And I don't understand like how that then is any different. And so being able to sort of figure out how are you, um, I don't know, rationalizing, particularly like hate speech about a person. So the other part is like, okay, you grew up in a world where Ariel was white with red hair and that's it. That's your vision. Okay, cool. What is the harm in that image being portrayed for another generation of Americans who are much more diverse, who are, um, you know, who, who would love to see themselves represented in their favorite Disney classics? Um, I just think it's very interesting. I also heard that coming up next, like Mulan, they're going to do as well. And so I'm very curious to see if and how the backlash happens for that because then who gets cast? Yeah, they it's it's um they already released the trailer actually. Oh really? I need to um, see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the backlash isn't necessarily from a cultural standpoint, but mm-hmm. from like who they left out of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were intentional about um because and this is what me and my husband first night. Um, those movies like Mulan, Pocahontas, mm-hmm. um, The Princess and the Frog, um. Those movies, um, there's a cultural theme surrounding those. Uh, movies. that's true. And so the characters were already, well, all, in all of those examples you just gave, they're all people of color already. 
first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aladdin. Um, I forgot about Aladdin. Aladdin as well. Mm-hmm. Disney did the same thing because they had some non-people of color who were originally cast in Aladdin mm-hmm. and Disney received backlash for it and they went and went in and um, kind of disrupted the casting um, and put, you know, people of color in those roles, um, specifically Asian Americans. Um, and um, same thing, you know, if they're going to remake Pocahontas, um, if they're going to remake, uh, they already remade Mulan. So those movies have cultural themes that are, um, are center um, to what the movie is about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and those themes kind of, um, you know, you can see those themes throughout the movie. Uh, that makes up the the, the character. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a primary thing with the character. In The Little Mermaid, culture, race had nothing to do or was not a defining characteristic of Ariel. Right. It wasn't a cultural um, film. You're it right. It wasn't a cultural film at all. Yeah. Um, those other movies were created because, because for of years culture. and years and mm-hmm. years, um, people of color did not see themselves represented in Disney movies. Mm-hmm. So then you see, I mean, even though, <laughs> you know, people were like, you know, The Lion King was the first quote-unquote black movie. It was animals, though. Like, we, right. you know, um, African-Americans, you know, eventually got a Disney princess, but mm-hmm. Asian-Americans, um, Native Americans, um, you know, other Asian-Americans in, in Aladdin, Mm-hmm. Um, they were represented, you know, on screen after the Snow Whites and the Rapunzels and the yeah. um, Sleeping Beauties and, and things of that nature um, in, in Disney movies. So um, it's just to me personally, it doesn't necessarily align. I think that um, it's important that Disney is doing that work um, because people of color have watched other and have watched not just films, shows, and things of that nature in which they weren't represented, and it was no complaints. Yeah. We put on the Little Mermaid costumes, we put on the Snow White costumes, mm-hmm. and then, and the um, Rapunzel costumes, and the Brave costumes, and this and yeah. that, and um, you know, it was fine. You know, mm-hmm. it was now that you know Disney is trying to, um, I guess, up their diversity efforts now is an issue. Um, and it's, it, it definitely saddens me um, that people have gone to such extremes yeah. um, behind a children's movie. Like, it's just, it's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking, like, what example are we setting for our children? Yeah. Um, so you're not going to take your kids to see a movie that they might want to see because um, Halle Bailey is Ariel? Because yeah. she has darker skin, and people are making things. Oh well, black people can't even have red hair, which is a falsehood. Uh-huh. Oh my god! Uh, I see. I didn't see. This is why. But this is why I stay off the internet because I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or um, technically, black people, um, because it's so deep in the ocean, um, they wouldn't even be melanated. So this just just trying oh, to. Lord. Um, I don't know, just trying to rationalize and intellectualize mm-hmm. why <laughs> this, you know, black woman shouldn't be Ariel. Um, yeah. But I applaud Disney for, and I applaud, you know, Freeform, which um, is the um, the company which, mm-hmm. which houses her grown show for, um, speaking of her and celebrities like Halle Berry, mm-hmm. um, also the lady who um, played Ariel in the mm-hmm. cartoon. 
came up and spoke up for Hallie and thought that it was a great idea. Um, so, um, you know, her voice is amazing. Like, and that was the whole thing about the little mermaid was when Era loses her ability to sing and like how powerful the messaging was about, you know, you're finding your voice and, and like, uh, I just, I don't know. So yeah. Um, See this. This why I watch Nickelodeon. I ain't even like. (laughs) I didn't even worry about Disney. Like I was not the Disney kid. Like for the TV shows. Like I watched the Disney movies, and I went to like Disney on Ice and stuff like that. But I did not. I was a Nickelodeon kid. We had all kinds of people on there. So I was a Disney kid. I was both, but more so Disney. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, I just think you know, in, in keeping with you know. That July is Minority Mental Health Month. It just, I was just reflecting on some of the things that we have to endure and the microaggressions and the micro assaults, um, and things of that nature that we're just kind of bombarded with, yeah. um, from a social standpoint every single day, yeah. all day. All things forms. that just kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, they just prick at us. It's headlines, reading headlines, reading comments that just kind of prick away at, at people of color, just prick away and prick away. So, um, yeah. So, um, it's definitely food for thought, um, and something to, to think about. Um, I know that I would definitely be, um, in the movie with bells and whistles on just as I was for, um, Black Panther. Um, mm-hmm. and just as I will be for Aladdin, um, even though I haven't gone to see it yet, um, just because my son is not going to act right in the movie. Um, so I got to find somebody to watch him, but I'm going to see Aladdin too, um, because I think it's important. You know, to support, and mm-hmm. when Blonde comes out, because she's one of my favorite princesses, I know, just to be able to support, um, you know, people of color on film. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that wraps up our culture corner. I'm doing better. Um, <laughs> and then um, we're at our most exciting part of the podcast. We have an opportunity to highlight someone who's doing some great work in the field of higher education. Um, so, this month um we're gonna highlight um one of my dear friends and um classmates and he's your classmate too i was like she's my friend too what and friend i'm sorry (laughs) i'm just just (laughs) (laughs) but uh jute mom so um jute um recently defended her proposal um and as you know that means you gotta have your first three chapters done um, so that is, is a big deal, a huge deal. So she is now a doctoral candidate, um, in LSU's higher ed program. Jute has a master's in school counseling and she has served as a school counselor at the high school level and she currently is doing big things. Um, she promotes college access and financial aid awareness for the Louisiana Office of Student Financial Assistance programs for the Louisiana border region. So she's always traveling around the state mm-hmm. um, and bringing awareness to college access and college to college success, um, graduation success, and um, financial aid awareness so that students in Louisiana, um, you know, understand the financial aid process um, and are, are enrolling in college. Um, so right now in her process, she's currently tackling um, the Institutional Review Board. Yay! Yay. <laughs> so right. <laughs> uh, if you never had to deal with the IRB and like have them um, uh, approve your work, uh, it's 
very interesting for us. <laughs> it's very interesting. And depending on like who works in, in the department, um, it can be smooth or it cannot be smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's another topic for another day. Um, and she is gearing up to collect data, um, for the upcoming semester and she's writing and she'll be walking, um, in spring 2020. So, um, definitely want to congratulate you, Tay. Um, and because we have a bonus, uh, a chance to do a bonus episode this month, she's going to come on the podcast and share her journey thus far with us. So I'm really excited about that to actually hear from someone who's in the, who's going through the doctoral, um, process and, um, kind of talking about, you know, the things that she's experienced, um, and, you know, her hopes for going forward. Um, I think it's, we both think it's really important. Um, to have somebody on the show that can do that. So, congrats, Jute. We're so Yay. proud of you, my love. Congratulations. You're wrapping up. You're wrapping up, and she's she's like killing it. Um, she's published. She's um, taught. Um, you know, at the graduate level. Um, so she's you know she's been killing it, and she's working full time too. Yeah. Um. So she's doing you know, her thing. She's doing her thing. We're so excited for you. So excited that this journey is about to come to an end. Um, I know you, you know, we're not nearly as excited as you are. Um, but we're so, we're so happy um, to see another one of our friends hold it down and get it done, right? Yep. Another one down. Another one down. (laughs) Um, so, um, like I said, she'll be on the bonus podcast later this month. Um, so that's pretty much it for this episode. This is episode 19. That's crazy, Dr. Pooh. I know, 19. Like, that's crazy. It's been over uh, a year of the podcast, though. So. It has, it has. Um, we just want to, as always, thank y'all so much for listening. Um, we wouldn't be where we are or who we are without you guys' support. Um, Thank you for tuning in and being dedicated and being a member of our tribe. As yes. always, be on the lookout for content on EITI Tuesdays. Make sure that you like, follow, and subscribe on all of our social media platforms. Um, and make sure that you submit yourself or your fellow EITI accomplishments for our Ebony in the Spotlight that we do every month. Because as we always say, that's our favorite thing to do mm-hmm. um, as we champion um, women of color. Um, so, Dr. Poole, if you don't have anything else to say, um, we're going to close out, um, and we will see you guys next time. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.